Hi guys, uh, I'm your co-host Sokal and you're joined here with the host herself, Irina. Welcome back to Too Integrated. So on today's episode, we're going to be telling you all about our background and how we got the opportunity to move to Ireland in the first place. We are from a small town in the north of Albania called Kukas. The population is about, how much would you say? Well... The whole county is probably like I think it's 50, about fifty thousand. I think it's like forty. But like, this, uh, but 40? in the city, which is where we're from, it's a good like twenty thousand. Quite tiny compared to Cork now. Like personally, I really enjoyed growing up in Cucas. I think it's such a cute little town. Where it's surrounded by mountains. It's honestly just gorgeous. In the year two thousand, it was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Because during a war between Kosovo and Serbia in 1999, plenty of Kosovo-Albanian refugees crossed the frontier and stayed in Kukos. So basically, we just housed so many people who needed help because of that war. My mom always says that her family, on her side... They housed plenty of refugees and they are in contact with them to this day. And they're always so thankful. They visit like once a year as well. They just are so thankful for the help that they received from us and stuff like that. So Kukas was the first, it, this was the first time for a town in Albania to be nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. We didn't win. I'm sure someone else won that. I feel like Albania is too tiny to be noticed really. Like especially when we first moved here, people just had no idea where it was or that it even existed to be honest we would always get questioned now it's much more different I feel like people know it quite well just because internet and all that so a little bit about our growing up situation we lived in apartments because that's common for Albanians to just live in apartments it's not like Cork where you drive out 10 minutes and there's just houses everywhere it's just common for everyone to live in apartments when Soka was growing up he his conditions were absolutely terrible honestly um like anytime my mom explains it to us it's just bizarre to even comprehend that that was real for him so basically we lived in a two-bedroom apartment on the fourth floor and when he was growing up literally 10 people lived in the apartment yes it was there was 10 people in a (laughs) two-bedroom apartment and uh it was tough. It was really tough because it was my parents, yeah, my grandparents. Our uncle and his wife and our uncle, who was just single at the time and living there, you know. Oh, yeah, wait. And there was another child as yes, well. Yes, there was. Uh, from this couple. Yes, yeah. So it was just literally overfilled. I don't know how you managed. Like, my mom always says that... Um, when Soka was growing up, like there was no, like we didn't have nappies. Like they, like Albania just couldn't, people couldn't afford nappies. They weren't really a thing. So my mom used to use like cotton sheets 
for us as nappies, which is insane to me. I've, every time she explains it to us, like, like mostly that that was just mostly for me because yeah, because when you were born, there was definitely none. Anyways, yeah, because like we came like the country had just came out of a communist regime, which is literally it was the same way as uh, North Korea is now. Like people didn't really have much back then, so. In a way, everything was tend to be expensive. We didn't have the money. There wasn't the wages, and and there was no work over there, and everything else. And uh, as nappies, as Irina was saying, <laughs> yes, I was using like some cotton sheets because there was no nappies, and even if there was, there was uh, there was. They just weren't like the thing is, businesses wouldn't. That why this is so funny that we're getting into this topic. Like businesses wouldn't buy them in because no one could afford to buy them anyway so they're like nah like you do what you can with your child and that's literally what my mom had to do she would explain to us she would be like we had to use like three cotton like sheets it was important to like keep changing them all the time and she would wash them and boil them and stuff so that they were sterile and clean and healthy for us to use you know but I just think that that's extremely interesting every time she says it but when I was born the house was much better in the situation we'll say when I was born there was six in the house including me so it was my grandparents still my parents my brother and myself which probably might not be great when you hear that it's a two-bedroom apartment but like we managed really well I would like to think it was spacious like more spacious than it used to be I guess and nappies were still not really into play there. My mom was like, after the war, because there was a war in 1999, there was a whole lot of donations being brought into Albania. And a part of those donations were nappies for kids. She always says that she remembers being given nappies and she would only use them on a special occasion. For example, like if we were going out somewhere, like to a restaurant or to dinner or whatever, then she would use them for us. But other than that, on a day-to-day basis, she was still using the cotton sheets. It's just a bit mind-boggling to me because, I mean, I'm sure Ireland did have nappies when we were born and other places were much more developed. But it's just because of this communist period and everything was just changing that people were like, we've been missing out on so much. We were way back compared to the world. Yeah, we were very behind. Yeah, like way behind. And even still now, we're only kind of started, started to catch up time from where we were. Like, you know what I mean? But the way, like, we got isolated from the entire world. And we thought we were doing absolutely great as a country. Yeah. And we're absolutely nowhere close to good. We're only sinking and sinking and sinking. And the government back then wasn't doing anything like it was just... Yeah, like, they're just lying people. to everyone, basically, as as communists do, like. So in this period where we grew up, we were extremely close to our grandparents and absolutely loved um, our childhood in Albania. Like, we were very social kids. We were just living the best life ever. Like, I do think that I have had the best childhood there and I would never change it for the world, even though we grew up on very little we thought that we had loads. This might sound so cringe, but like we genuinely did. We were such happy kids. It was insane yes, to look I, back I at. Yes, much like I was constantly, I was constantly yeah. outside. Like when I was five years old, I was hanging about with like people my age. Maybe we had like a few other people that were just a little older, but no adults to supervise us or, you know, kind of mind yeah, us and let us same. know what we're doing. Like, you know? Yeah, like it's strange like here when we do see kids out 
they're very much supervised by their parents and stuff like that. We really never were. We were allowed to run free. It was safe. Like, it was fine. It was a very freeing childhood, I would say, anyways. So we're going to get into our economic situation a little bit. When we were kids, like, everyone was at the same level. Because we had just gotten out of a communist society. And there wasn't really a difference between you and your neighbour or the person sitting next to you. Everyone was at the same level. Our dad, growing up, owned a small business, kind of selling groceries. And it was a grocery shop, yes. Yeah, yeah. we sold stuff like bread and like necessities and stuff like that, and like snacks and stuff. Um, It was below our apartment. We would basically just come out of the apartment and then the shop would be there, you know. Um, it was very convenient for us anyways, because we could travel back and forth home if there was anything that needed to be done and stuff like that. You get the gist. So at the start, it was actually very hard to maintain a business. I mean, we even though we were just open under the apartment where everybody knew us, all the neighbours knew us. But it was hard to maintain because, you know, we wanted more clientele and more people to buy stuff. Things were expensive at the very start. I remember very well when my dad opened the shop. We and, also uh, had to pay rent as well for yes, us. Yes, he, he had And that to pay was expensive. Rent. Yeah, that was very expensive being paying rent paying electricity pay and then keeping the shop running you know wasn't as, as easy our dad was also the only working parent in the family so basically we were all relying on him and this business my grandparents didn't work they were pensioners my mom didn't work she was raising me and my brother so it all just came down to how well the business was doing for our income and stuff like that which was very intense but we managed. Yes, we did. We we managed. We went through it great. Uh, but after a while, then the shop the shop started picking up a bit. Like you know what I mean. So we're kind of doing we're doing okay. Not not the greatest, but we were going okay. We just kept floating, let's say, and that's about it. Yeah, and we also just loved having this shop around. It was actually a place where we would hang out all the time. Like, so God would play cards with his friends. And like, it was a bit of a social gathering for us kids. We'd be like, oh, come on guys, like call our friends over to the shop and we would stay there for the day. It was like an activity for us really. Yeah, it was like, but, uh, my dad built like a sort of a, it's like a, a big table, let's say, not even a table, it's like a, a big stool he made, like, yeah. you know what I mean? He put it on the side of his shop, it was just like made with wood and stuff, like, I mean, he put a few hundred bricks under there, under there, oh, yeah. and we just sat on top of it, and it was just the best place <laughs> Yeah, ever. we, like, placed cardboard over the bricks, Yes, and we literally sat down in the cardboard, like, it was meant to be, like, a sitting area for us. And we were just playing their cards and just, just chilling about there yeah. the whole time. We have so many insane stories from this shop because we spent all our time over there, really. One time when I was left... Actually, no. Sokol was left in charge of the shop and he would always kind of come in and out, which is very dangerous. Like, you could obviously... Someone could just come in and steal, you know what I mean? But that didn't really happen back then. But anyways, it was actually him in charge. I don't know. How old were you? You were probably like 10. You both did. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that's normal in Albania to just leave your child, take care of the business for a few minutes. No, you know? yeah. <laughs> that there's, wasn't a problem no, at there all. Was, like. There's, like, there was, there was days where I could run the whole thing on my own. I knew the yeah. prices off the top of my head of everything. I didn't mind. Like, I mean, yeah. I felt safe in my own neighbor. Nobody would dare do something. So true. Yeah. Um, it's Because we lived so close as well, like, everyone knew who we were and, like, 
It was just a it family was, it business. Was a, like... It was a community. I didn't really mind. I, I didn't think anyone was going to steal my shop because I would go and say it to someone and then things may, may not end up well after. <laughs> Anyways, so one time, um, Sokal was meant to take care of it, as I was saying, and he just dipped out for a few minutes and he was like to me, can you please just take care of the shop for like a few minutes? I'll be back. I'm just going to go over and talk to a friend. He would often get distracted with his friends, which is fine. Like he was obviously a child, but I was literally four years old, like five, I'd say when this happened. Dead, yeah. Um. So this man comes into the shop and I couldn't reach the counter. Like my eyes just went above it. I was tiny and this literal grown man, he was like, oh, hi. And then he just sees that there's just a child in charge of the shop behind the counter. And I was like, oh, hi. And I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, this guy, like, what's he going to do? He was like, oh, could I get a packet of cigarettes, please? And I was like, um, okay. So I literally took the initiative to get the packet of cigarettes for him. But the thing is, the, cap- the packets were, like, so high up on the shelf where, like, no one could reach them. So I had to literally grab a chair, shove it like next to the shelf and I literally got up in it and I was still on my tiptoes getting the pack of cigarettes because I still couldn't reach it. And the guy was literally like, what is this child doing? I can't believe I'm doing this. I knew the price of the cigarette and I was like, that would be 200 lek, please. And he absolutely just did pay me and went off by his day like. That's it. That's literally madness. And I just never forget this story. And I tell it to whoever I get the chance to tell it to because it's quite iconic of me to be like, hmm, I'm going to make my parents some money there and just go grab that packet of cigarettes for them. (laughs) And then, oh my God, like when my parents came back and SoCal as well, I was literally bragging about it to them as a five-year-old would like. And I was just giving myself a pat on the shoulder after it. I felt capable of doing anything at that point, honestly. Sold. Sold, exactly. Now we're going to get into our kind of emigration story or how we came about moving out of Albania. Um, our dad immigrated when I was four years old. At the time, I had no idea that he was like gone completely, you know, because my mom and my brother, which he, you knew that he... I knew he was going away. Yeah, he, you knew he was going away, but I had no idea, obviously, because I was only like four years old. And they would be telling me, they were like, oh, he's gone to Tirana, which is the capital of Albania. And I believed it for a while. And then I was like, mm, I don't think he's gone to Tirana, guys. Like, you got to kind of fess up here and tell me the truth. So one day in our shop, I was like, oh, like, where's dad? And um, my mom was like, oh, he's just gone for a while. Like, he'll be back, you know, telling me the same old story. And this time I was like, OK, this isn't true. And I was kind of giving them a look. And then my brother felt so bad for me. I remember the look that you had on. Like, you were like, hmm, who's going to tell her, do you know? Yeah, I felt, because I felt sad. We were lying you for, for days. Like, you, you didn't know. Yeah, like... and I was really close to my dad. Like, he was probably my favorite parent at the time because anything I, I wanted, like, he would be like, here you go, honey. Do you know, like, he was very, very giving with me, especially. So basically, my mom told me then that he was gone to Ireland. In intuitively, I knew that it was somewhere far away. So I like immediately started bawling crying. <laughs> but like, obviously, I had no idea what Ireland was. Like, I thought Albania was the only country that existed, of course, because I was only four years old, right? And I felt like really, really sad. But then like, 
I kind of got used to not having my dad around for a while. So we lived without, without our dad for about uh, four years, even though he just said he was going to go for a year, but then he liked it so much and then he said he's going to do another year. And after he was gone, me and my mom were running the shop for about a year, maybe a year and a half to till we actually closed it because he left he had built such a good clientele and there was so many friends and stuff and uh the shop wasn't working out and doing well so we told our dad look we have to close it because we're just kind of losing money at that stage like you know and he was fine with it you know he said yeah work away and um, i'll try help you from where i am yeah the thing is he was working a lot in ireland at the time of course ireland was booming so he managed to provide for us just by working in Ireland himself. The first year that he came back from Ireland, he surprised us with a PlayStation 2. And yes, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, PlayStation, it's been a long time. That PlayStation just changed us, honestly, because it was just, for us, it felt like a step forward, like as kids, because the toys that we had were honestly like basic. basic. Like I had. A plastic tea set and like two dolls and oh, three teddy bears, I'd say. That's literally it. Nothing electronical, nothing crazy. So this PlayStation literally was insane to us. We were like, oh my goodness, like we were so thankful, so grateful. We couldn't believe what we had in front of us. It was- I was so happy with this. Like, <laughs> at the time, I remember I had the game, uh, the, what was it? The Simpsons Hit and Run. Oh my gosh, our yeah. favorite game. Like that was... I loved that game so much. Same. I had every kid within my apartment coming to my house every single day. Oh, yeah. Just so I, we can play. And I was sharing it, obviously, with them, too. But, like, they were... We were I, the they coolest... They were knocking on my door constantly. Yeah, like, we I, were I, the coolest kids on the block when that PlayStation arrived. We're we were announcing like, it. We were definitely, like, the only people that actually had a PlayStation. And, like, my friends <laughs> and the kids that were my age... Which was, I was about like, what, maybe 10, 11 that, at that stage, yeah? Yeah. They were constantly at my door, just like, you know, just to come and play PlayStation. Like, I, I couldn't get a break. In Albania, we both went to mixed schools growing up. There's really only mixed schools. Like, it's not common to have separated schools, really. Because Albania is not really religious. And I think that's the only reason that they're separated in Ireland, honestly. So... It was like extremely normal for us and we were happy out going there. Like we had so many friends. We were very social children, honestly. Yeah, we had a lot of friends and stuff, like, you know, so we're all good. Yeah, and it was extremely easy to just make friends and build a community because the town was so tiny, like. Most of them, like even most of your friends were kind of from your own neighborhood, you know. Yeah. We're all going sort of the same school, like, you know, we're all going to the same school, come back. Yeah, like there was only like a couple of primary schools and there's literally only one secondary school in Kukas, which is insane, isn't it? Uh, Secondary, yes, there's only one. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everyone that was going to like different primary schools, we would all just end up in the same secondary school i mean neither of us had that experience because we left no we left way very I, I young left just but before that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but like that's how small kukas is you know to only have the one secondary school we also just didn't have a car growing up there was really no need because kukas is so small you could get to anywhere within literally a 10 20 minute walk you really there's just no need and also our parents did not know how to drive before it 
they came to Ireland. It was very crazy. Like when we came here to Cork at first, we would see traffic, which wasn't a thing. Like I no at all huge roads. Um, our parents had to learn how to drive here, but that's a story for another day. So <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> We're gonna talk a little bit about how our dad got the opportunity to come to Ireland. When so in two thousand and three, I believe. Yes, two thousand three. Yeah, he applied for a work permit in Ireland, and it got approved. Fortunately, so he moved here, and he was only supposed to stay in Ireland for a year. He had to renew his work permit each year to eventually get a stamp four. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, a stamp four indicates permission to stay in Ireland for a specific period but subject to conditions. And I'm just going to call out a summary of conditions for anyone that doesn't know. The benefits of a stamp for are that you can take up employment and are not required to hold a work permit. You can work in a profession. You can open a business. You can access state funds and services as determined by government departments or agencies. And if you wish to stay in Ireland past the expiry date of your immigration permission, you must apply to renew your permission and registration before it expires. To get this done for, he had to stay in the same job and keep getting his work permit and have all these paperwork straight till he actually gets the stamp for. And once you get your stamp for, you have a bit of a freedom. More, yeah. Yes, you can, you can. For start a different job if you like or do your own thing and travel around freely and you know stand for is a step closer to get your citizenship and get your passport at this point my dad just keeps renewing that work permit and eventually decides that actually ireland will be amazing if i can bring my family here and so he what does he do? He applies He's, for yeah, a visa. Yeah, he applies for family reunion. Like he did to drag all. Yeah, the, the technical the term. Area. Yeah, the technical term is called a family reunion. That's what you apply for. But he had to obviously put in our visas and see if they would be approved, and they did. Thankfully, this came as a shock to all of us. Like my mom never expected to move to Ireland, and my dad always had it in his mind that he was going to move back to Albania. This was only to just make some money for a while and then go back to his family. But as he was living here, he integrated quite well and saw it as a great place to raise me and my brother because it was filled with opportunities, of course. And there wasn't really anything good in Albania, we'll say. There just wasn't a great future. That's kind of what my parents had in mind. They're like, look, this is going to be great for the kids. And I think we were a great part of that decision, really. We found out that we were moving in summer of 2007. It was August, I believe. And my mom told me and my brother, I don't remember her telling us at all. Because I, I was really young. Yeah, he does. But when I knew that we were leaving... I remember being told to not mention it to anyone while we were having these conversations of us moving. They're like, don't tell anyone because it was very much a thing back then to not say it to anyone if you're moving out of the country. Because the situation was not as great economy-wise and stuff like, people were kind of wanted to get out of the country and find a better future for themselves and find something, work and to help their families and stuff. So 
they were kind of jealous if they found out you were moving. Yeah. They were leaving. A lot of people who left, they were leaving by night because they didn't want anybody to see him. And uh, they didn't take much things with them. They just went. So we didn't say anything to no, to no one. So people didn't know. And they were like, how do you go? And because they, they yeah. become questions and how do you get there? And how do you get this and that? And like... We didn't have the answer. It was for just safer to not see anything and just leave quietly. That was really the thing back then because everyone was leaving really, but it was all just being done on the down low. Our family wasn't too happy that we were leaving, especially on my dad's side, just because we were living with our grandparents and someone had to step in and take care of them. So that caused a lot of difficulties to arrange all of that. But because we had our grandparents there, my mom was also still not sure if we were going to move to Ireland for good, really, because I think eventually she expected to return in a couple of years. I remember her talking to my teachers in Albania, um, because at this point I was in second class, I believe, when we were thinking of moving. She arranged meetings with my teachers to be like, oh, can I register again for fifth class? Because she intended to come back in like three years and for me to get into fifth class straight away and stuff like that which is really interesting because throughout our moving process we were always like yeah we're not going to stay there for too long and then look at us now like we're still here (laughs) years after like i remember telling my friends well i was a kid like i couldn't kind of keep that secret because like my whole world was taken away from me because like you know i had had my friends and everything and then actually just I remember like maybe a day or two before I was leaving, I actually told them that I was leaving (laughs) and everyone thought I was kind of like joking, but I was actually being like real with them. And uh, I also didn't follow the rules. I told my best friend that I was leaving too. And she told someone else at the time. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I just spilled the family like secret because it was huge for us at the time. Like we were only kids, like we didn't know any better and we couldn't just leave without telling someone other than our family you know we kind of had to let it out a bit but thing is like with school our parents and grandparents were very against letting our school know that we were leaving as well they decided not to inform us and I remember being so sad because I had only spent first and second class in Albania and I had made such an amazing group of friends like I was just friends with everyone and like I had a really good um like desk mate I don't know what that's called the person I was sitting next to anyway, like me and him, we also lived in the same um, apartment. like apartment block. So we were seeing each other all the time and we were like really good friends. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I can't tell him that I'm leaving. Like me knowing that we were leaving, it didn't really affect me at all as a child because I didn't really know what was going on, to be honest. Like I had no idea that we were moving somewhere so far away where if our family wanted to see us, they had to get a visa which is serious work to apply for one, to be honest. But I had no clue that that took ages. So the only way that they were going to see us is if we went back and visited all all the time and stuff like that. I was well aware that we're actually leaving. I knew everything and uh, I was completely against it because I had so many friends and everything was there for me. I didn't didn't want to move. I didn't want to go anywhere because I didn't feel like I was going to settle down or find as good friends as I had at the time or any any of that but like we were such a close community that we couldn't imagine it being like that again i don't know it was just it's such a tiny town and we were in our little bubble 
that he and I felt so bad for you as well because you were literally just being stripped away from like any stability like, that you had I remember <laughs> these guys like since day one that I was born yeah. I spent time with these guys and these are the same guys that I went to school with and I spent time in my neighborhood I never got a break from any of them yeah like you know we mean? were literally all born next to each other basically like, like that's the best way to say it i was these guys every single day yeah. for about 14 years that i was yeah. there like you know like my best friend my best friends even that i had they were both in my apartment block we all went to the same school together we grew up together like it's such a clo- it's such a close tight community yes it really is in fairness i also remember packing up my toys when we were leaving i remember that vividly because like those toys, like they were like obviously a part of my childhood and they that's what I would spend time with when I wasn't with my friends or when I was just hanging around with my grandparents. I had like a little tea set and like um building blocks that were made out of like silicone. Do you remember those? Yes. Yeah. They were they were just out of the ordinary, like <laughs> and I remember building those or packing those up and I had to take them down to my cousin's house and give it to them. And they were a family of like four kids. So I was really glad to give them away because um, they didn't have as many toys as I did, I guess. But I really hated to give them away because I was like, no one's going to take care of them as well as I did. So it was like a bittersweet kind of thing. But when we were moving, I only had the choice of bringing one toy, I think. And it was this doll. I think I might put up an Instagram of it on the on the Too Integrated Instagram. But like this toy, it was just like, there was a whole story behind this toy, honestly. My granny was really like against me buying it. She was like, no, like cause our grandparents were very much like not about spoiling us. They only spoiled us with love and nothing like that. That's why we didn't have the most amazing toys. Like we would just play cards with our grandparents all the time that was the highlight of our days really so this toy my granny was so against buying it and my mom was like oh like we should buy it for her you know because she really wants it and I had wanted that toy for like months and my mom had to ask my dad like ring him in Ireland to be like look she really wants this and it was costly like I think it was like I really don't know it was like a good amount of luck you know because it was just a huge like not a life well for me it was a life size because I was tiny it was a life size yeah, that's how much it was, I think. Um, I thought it was like 30,000, but maybe it is no, 20. I don't, I don't remember. I think it's 20, like, but I, I'm not, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really... And that was a loss, like... Loads. My so granny was like, why are you spending so this much. money on a doll? Anyways, my mom had to ask my dad for permission. Look, like, talk to my granny and convince her to buy the toy for her, you know? Because our, our grandparents really did call the shots when we were younger. He was like, okay, just get it for her. That's fine. And that was the one thing that I ended up bringing <laughs> to Ireland because, like, I felt like I had worked for that doll, honestly. Like, but because my granny like disapproved of it, as soon as we bought it, I felt so guilty because I was kind of going against her word. And we really listened to our grandparents; like, they were probably our greatest role model and influencers when we were younger. Um, so I felt like I'd like disappointed her or like I felt guilty that I had this doll now so literally I kid you not as soon as as soon as we bought it I ran home and hid it under my mom's bed for her to just not see even though she was there when we bought it but I just didn't want her to kind of like confront 
with the doll in a way. I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. Like, I just had so much guilt because I went against her word because I cared about what she thought. But at the same time, I was like, it's just a doll. Like, you know, why could I not have it and stuff? But anyway, that was really funny. When it comes to us saying goodbye, I don't remember saying goodbye to anyone, to my family. Maybe I remember saying goodbye to a baby cousin that... I was obsessed with, like, me and her, ever since she was born, she's probably, like, two or something, um, I loved her loads, but I don't remember, maybe I just blocked it out, and I just don't remember that at all, I don't know, but you do. I do remember, yes, yeah, Yeah, because, like, I was, I was 14, and I thought it was so hard to move, and I could see, even though I was getting into the care, into the care, and we're gonna go or get get ready and drape for the airport or whatever. I remember seeing like all family and there was a few neighbors over there and I seen all my friends right there too and, and they were all like, like saying bye and all this and I was kind of like hugging hugging them and stuff and as the car drove off like I actually started crying because I I thought I was never gonna see him again. Oh I God. didn't know what was happening. I didn't know where Ireland was or how far he was and like yeah. you know the whole lot. I never knew when I was when I was gonna see him, and uh, yeah, I thought I I really did find it very hard, like, and I did actually cry for a bit when I was in the car, oh, but so um, sad. you know, after a while, you know, just you know, everything was was okay, like, but yes, I was I was a bit upset. The day we were flying out, we were with some distant relatives who already lived in Ireland, and. They were just coming back to Ireland from their summer holidays, basically. And we decided to book our flights the same day as they were returning home to Ireland so that we wouldn't kind of experience the journey ourselves because the three of us had no English life. Imagine just going through an airport and being like, hmm, just what's exit? Do you know what I mean? So we flew with them, which was great because they were obviously guiding us around and stuff. But the thing is, they had moved to Ireland like years before we had and they were well integrated children they were all going to school and I remember being in the airport and just listening to them speak English and I was like what are they saying like I felt so out of their world so like but they could speak Albanian as well like they would speak to me from time to time well not some of them but they were actually like two of them were actually born here like you know oh yeah and I found it so strange because I felt a little bit like excluded Anytime they spoke English, I was like, hmm, I'm just going to mind my own business because I have no idea what is going on. It was extremely strange, but we were grateful to travel with them and stuff because we knew them pretty well, even though we're like, I don't know, we're like third, fourth, fourth cousins. I'm not yeah. too sure. We arrived to Cork Airport at around 9 p.m. September the 4th. That is our moving anniversary. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, we remember it so well. I remember my dad and his uh, friend picking us up from Cork Airport and driving down to our house in Wilton, where we lived at the time. And I remember seeing roundabouts and Wilton roundabouts specifically because like it was obviously nighttime. So all you could see was just lights and it was just like I was glorifying it, you know, as a child. I thought I was in a movie like but when I saw a roundabout, I was like, what is this? Like, I'd never seen a roundabout at all because we don't have roundabouts. Well, now they do. But at the time, it, and especially in Cuckoo's, like, they're really... No. There's, there's no one. Yeah, there's only one. And that was only built, like, two years ago, I'd say. 
So they really just, we had never seen one, which is such a strange thing to talk about. But I remember just going around in the circle and I was like, what is going on here? We're moving into a house, which was extremely different to what we were used to, like a two bedroom apartment. Hello. And this house that we were moving into had three bedrooms, four bedrooms. Four bedrooms. It was huge. Like when we literally walked in, we were like, we are actually in in a mansion living our best life. But also not really because we were extremely sad yeah, when we I arrived. Yeah, I was so happy. Like I mean, it was my first time to walk into like you know, a, yeah. a house like it's like a it's like a private house kind of a thing like you completely. Know? And then uh, you just that I thought the house was like the best house ever, even though like you know it was only all right. Like you know, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, it was only all right. But yeah. when we arrived, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm living my like movie dreams. Like it was just insane to us. So. That night, on September 4th, we went to sleep and then we were up the next day and ready for school. But tune in next week to hear how that story went. It is time for our new segment called Interview of the Week. How this is going to go is I'm going to be reading out a transcript from an interview that I've had with someone from the Albanian community here and we're just going to kind of analyze or talk about something that struck with us or something that we find really important to talk about. So this person moved to Ireland in the mid to late 90s and their story goes like this. I moved to Ireland because the political situation in Albania was really bad. There was no work. We as a family were not doing well economically and finding a job was really hard in Albania. I decided to move out and I chose Ireland because I knew some English and it seemed easy for me to move to an English-speaking country. I learned English in school back in Albania. I went through many countries in Europe to come here. This was hard because I had no visa or anything. But my goal was to move to an English-speaking country, even though this was very difficult. I travelled in different ways. We took ships from Albania to Italy. We used taxis, more ships to cross over to England, buses and even more ships. My experience with gaining citizenship was not very complicated. I waited a year and a half after applying, which was okay knowing that there were cases that were taking a lot longer. I think I was lucky because it was easy for me. The process of finding a job here was not very hard. We were not allowed to work here, but we had to somehow keep surviving because what we were getting from the government was not enough. We would walk around and go to restaurants and ask if they had any jobs for us. Eventually, I found a job in a fast food restaurant and I worked there for months. Later, I worked in a factory. There was no problem getting a job because Ireland was booming at the time when I arrived here. So there was plenty of work. Nowadays, I do not face any challenges living here as an immigrant. I feel almost like an Irish person here, being here for 25 years. Irish people are really good and friendly people. They make you feel at home here. We are very lucky to be here. I did not live in a direct provision centre when I came here because that system did not exist back then. My Albanian friends and I that lived here did not miss Albania much because we were a big group of Albanian people here. We were lucky because we were Albanians living in Ireland, a peaceful country. 
we had no problems integrating into this country and with the people here. I visit Albania every year. Even though I have been lucky enough to have all my family here, we still all go and visit every year or every two years. I have never thought about going back to Albania for good. But now, as I'm getting older, yes, I do think of going back. I don't know if that is possible, though. With my kids being born here and growing up here, that would be very hard. Ireland has made a very big impact on me and my life, for the better. My life has been changed here in Ireland. I consider myself lucky to be here with my family. Okay, so what we found interesting about this person's story is the way that they travelled. Now, it is very common to travel in ships from Albania to a different country. And this is because it is cheaper, first of all. And also, it's just less chances of you getting caught. Because Albania is in Europe, but it's not in the EU. So you have to have a visa if you're trying to get into Ireland or England. And so, in ships, obviously you can hide. And once you arrive at the port... Like, they'll check what's on it, like, the food and bits, you know. But they'll rarely think that there's people hiding in places. I'm spilling all the tea here. Um, But this is really the truth. It's real. Like, people are desperate to get out of there. So they take desperate measures as well. In case anyone does not know, many people do tend to hide in refrigerators in ships. These refrigerators are fully functioning. They're on the entire time because, of course, there's food in there and whatever like ships need and stuff and people are just absolutely freezing in them until they arrive like who knows how long that they're traveling for in those ships they're obviously not going to be short journeys I feel like any ship journey is ages like obviously I'm not too sure about the details of it but I think that is just harsh enough to even have to imagine Now, another method of travel is by hiding in trucks, behind goods, in goods, anything like that. And there's also normal travel like planes and like trains or something like that. But for those, people have to get false documentation. Because again, Ireland in Europe or in the EU, sorry, Albania is not in the EU. So getting... This false documentation costs just a whole lot of money. It goes up to 12,000 euros. The amount of money just depends on how reliable your person, source, whatever, wherever you're getting it from. It just depends on that. The price will go up if it's great documentation, down, obviously, if it's not that amazing. This happens so much. Like, people have to go into debt to get this documentation basically because people want to get out of there so badly that they're willing to do the most about it. Okay so I believe that we've covered everything that we wanted to in this episode. Please tune in for our next one um, that we have planned which will be extremely interesting as well. It's kind of a continuation from this story so hopefully people are listening to this chronologically because it would make sense but even if you aren't like it really doesn't matter they're still worthwhile hearing I guess thank you so much if you have any questions please head over to our instagram at two integrated we'll be happy to answer them and as well we will have this interview up there in case anyone wants to read us and plenty of other content of course thank you so much for listening thank you guys and uh, we'll see you next time